Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome to the Epiphany Fellowship live stream. We are so excited and glad that you've decided to join us and worship with us today, uh, where our motto is showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life. I'm excited to bring the word to you this morning. So if you would uh, join me, open your Bibles to Isaiah, the 20th chapter, the book of Isaiah, chapter 20. We're going to read from verses one down through verse six, the book of Isaiah chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read it for your hearing this morning. In the year that the chief commander sent by King Sargon of Assyria came to Ashdod and attacked and captured it, during that time the Lord has spoken through Isaiah, son of Amos, saying, Go, take your sackcloth and remove the sandals from your feet. And he did that, going stripped and barefoot. And the Lord said, as my servant Isaiah has gone stripped and barefoot three years as a sign and omen against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, young and old alike, stripped and barefoot and bared buttocks to Egypt's shame. And those who made Cush their hope and Egypt their boast will be dismayed and ashamed. And the inhabitants of this coastland will say on that day, look, this is what has happened to those we relied on and fled to for help to rescue us from the king of Assyria. Now, how will we escape? Today, I just want to tag this text of ours, the hopelessness of heroes not named God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for uh, the, the privilege that we have to have access to it, that in your word we find life, we find strength, we find hope, we find instruction. And so, God, would you speak to us this day through your word about how majestic you are, how good you are, how great you are, how awesome you are, how you are the only one who can be trusted, how we need to place our hope and our, our faith and our dependence on you. And so, God, would you confirm in us through your word today the things that we need to know so that we can draw closer to you in every way. God, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. The hopelessness of heroes not named God. You know, one of the one of the great things that I appreciate about my wife, my beautiful bride, uh, is I, I, I love how frugal she is. And, and, and when I say frugal, I don't mean that in, in, in a negative connotation, in a negative way. My, my wife is, is very much every bit of a 30, Proverbs 31 woman, uh, where she is uh, working uh, in her household, where she is finding creative ways to provide for the household, where she is trying to find ways to save our household uh, money. Uh, and so I, 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 I appreciate how thoughtful and frugal my wife is when it comes to trying to save our household and me money. 
But I must admit that there are times where she takes Proverbs 31 a little too far. Every once in a while, my, mom, my, my wife will walk into the house with a household item that we need and, and, and she'll bring it into the house and she'll be excited about the purchase that she had and I'll look down at it and, and I'll say, uh, uh, babe, what, 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 what is this? For instance, if, 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 she, if we needed AA batteries, my wife might come in uh, with the, the type of batteries from the dollar store that just say battery on the side. And, 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 uh, and, and I look down at these batteries and say, babe, 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 baby, what, what, these batteries aren't gonna work. They may work for a second, but, but you got to buy Duracell. You, you got to buy Energizer. There, there, are certain, there, there are certain things that you got to buy name brand. I, I'm sorry. Some of y'all might be mad at me. I really don't care because I can't hear your, your boos and, and your critiques from home. But there are some things that you just have to buy name brand. But, but, but I appreciate what my wife does because I know, I know she's coming from a place where she's trying to save us money. And she's trying to get the same amount of service. Uh, some of you are like her, where you're trying to get the same amount of service for a fraction of the cost. Uh, but one of the things that I, that I, that I tell my wife all, all the time is, is ba- baby, you, you, know, you, you get what you paid for. You, you get what you're willing to invest. So here in this text, we, we see that, that Israel, Israel tries to sidestep God's discipline by not dealing directly with him, but with the instrument that he was using, right? They, 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 they see, see in, in this text, we're going to get into it into a second, but, but there's, there, there are some things going on between the relationship between God and his people, what he's commanded them to do and, and how they have fallen short. And he has been uh, using the prophet Isaiah and other prophets as well to go to the people, to warn them and to remind them that judgment is coming. And instead of being willing to invest in what they were supposed to be doing, instead of being willing to to deal directly with God, they tried to sidestep the discipline of God and instead deal with the instrument that God is using to discipline them. It's, it, it, as an example, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like uh, I, re- I remember being young and, and getting into some trouble with my brothers at home, and my dad would warn us and say, "When you get, when I get home, I'm, I'm like all of y'all are going to get it. All of y'all are getting whooped." And so I remember one time specifically as we were waiting for him to come home. In that tension, one of the things that we did was we said, "Well, listen, if we hide all of his belts, then he can't whoop us." And, and did that work for us? Absolutely not. You know why? Because we thought that we could rid ourselves of the problem by dealing with the instrument and not dealing with the person. And that's what Israel finds themselves here trying to do. Israel wanted the benefit of protection without the requirement of personal and corporate holiness. See, Israel, one of the things Israel tried to do is, um, um, as God began to warn them that he was going to use Assyria uh, to, to, to uh, come in and discipline them, they began to say, well, why don't we look down to Egypt for some help, for some aid? Maybe we can call in some reinforcements and some backup to take care of the problem that we have. And so, so in Egypt, Israel thought that they could hire a bodyguard. Uh, without ever having to concede that God was judging their unrighteousness. See, see, the problem that Israel had was that Israel thought that their issue was with Assyria. 
But that's not where their issue lied. Israel's issue lied with God. See, Israel was focused on the instrument instead of the one who holds the instrument in his hand. And, and, so, and so, 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 so what they were trying to do was say, if we can take care of the instrument problem, then we don't have to worry about changing anything about our character or our obedience because then God can't use the instrument. The thing that they fail to realize is that when God is the source of your problem, who else can you go to for safety? When, 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 when God is the source of your frustration, when, when, when God is, is the source of your difficulty, who do you run to? It brings me to my first point, only point for us this morning. We are always left disappointed when we try to find refuge anywhere but in God. We are always left disappointed when we try to find refuge anywhere else but in God. Look with, look, look, look with me uh, in, in, in the text. But uh, before we even jump to verse 1, it's, it's interesting when we think about this idea, right, is, is that mankind, humankind, men and women, we have a tendency when difficulty comes to, to, to looking inwardly first for our salvation, well, you know, one, one of our prime, you know, we're, we're culpable in in moving God to the back shelf until we've tried to figure out whether or not we can solve our issues on our own. Because in a lot of ways, we believe that we can save us better than God can save us. And look, 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 uh, Isaiah even makes this point. God makes this point through Isaiah and the people in a couple chapters later in chapter 22, as he as he communicates to them what their response is going to be like when they do eventually get evaded by Assyria. Look what he says. He says, you collected water and you counted houses and you made a reservoir between the walls of the water of the ancient pool. But you did not look to the one who made it or consider the one who created it long ago. Isaiah through God through Isaiah is basically saying to Israel. Like when, when calamity comes your way, when trouble comes your way, the first place that you often look is outside of, of, of the one who's, who's made everything with his hands, outside of the one who has all authority and all power, outside of the one who can actually do something about your situation and about your trouble, even if it was caused by you. He's saying, he's saying, why do you always neglect coming to me when I'm the only one that can help you? And so he says, he, he says, he says, he, he says like th that, that was Israel's problem. Israel, Israel had a perception problem where, where God, because of love, because, you know, the Bible says that God, God disciplines those whom he loves. It says they like because of their rebellion, because of their wickedness, because of their lack of executing justice towards one another. Uh, because of these things, God said, like, now I, I need to, I need to give you a spanking. I need to spank you so you can you can and, and warn you so that you can see how you've strayed from what I've commanded you to do and how I've commanded you to live. And one of the ways that I do that is by using a pagan nation to come in and discipline you. And, and, and so and so Israel says, now nah, we're not about that discipline life. Uh, uh, so 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 let's take out the instrument. Look, 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 look what it says in verse 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 uh, one of chapter uh, 20. It says it says. In the year that the chief commander uh, sent by King Sargon of Assyria came to Ashdod, 
uh, and attacked and captured it. See, see, Ashdod was a northern uh, Philistine city uh, that was not too far away, probably about 30 miles away from Jerusalem. And what happened was that 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 uh, the Philist this Philistine city uh, had revolted and rebelled against Assyrian rule, and they had done the very thing that Israel was beginning to do, where they had looked south uh, to Egypt to Africa for help. Uh, and 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 so now God is telling them, look what happened to the Philistines when they went to Egypt to ask for help. Look, look what happened to them and 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 ask yourself whether or not what you're doing is a good idea. So he says that that, that in that year when Chief uh, King Sargon, who was the king of the Assyrians, sent his chief commander uh, to Ashdod, they attacked and conquered it. They captured it. And so we already know the end result of what happened uh, with the Philistines in Ashdod as Assyria came in, invaded them, captured them. And and and, he, and, and here's what God says. It says that during that time. It was during this time, during uh, a serious capture and, uh, uh, of Ashdod, of that Philistine city, it was during that time that God told uh, Isaiah, the son of Amos, to take off your sackcloth, remove your sandals from your feet, and, and, and walk around stripped and, and, and barefoot. And, and so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that Israel could look at what was taking place to their next door neighbor. That, that they should have been able to see what was aware, uh, like, like what, what should have been aware to everybody was if, if, Philistine, if, if the Philistines uh, put their hope and their trust in Egypt and they were captured and they were invaded, then why on earth would you put your trust and your hope in the very people that couldn't help them from the very same enemy? Listen, there's... There, there's, there's probably nothing worse or, or nothing more frustrating than watching somebody make a mistake, the same mistake that they saw somebody else do simply because they wanted to experience it themselves. Like that, that's, that's the, that is the epitome of what the Bible calls a fool, right? Like, like, like Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs chapter three says, don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The Israelites, while they're watching this happen to the Philistines, while, while they're watching the Philistines be captured and invaded and then shipped off, they should have known and said to themselves, man, maybe we should reconsider putting our hope and our trust in Egypt. Is there no one else that we can rely on? But apparently they didn't learn that lesson. And so what God does is he calls down to Isaiah and he says, Isaiah, I want you to take off your sackcloth, take off your sandals. And I want you to, I want you to walk around and live this way for about three years. Now, the, the, the interesting thing about the sackcloth was the sackcloth was, was, um, it was an, a, a rough, hairy, uh, outer garment that was designed to illustrate, uh, the, the spiritual discomfort uh, through physical discomfort. And many of the prophets wore sackcloth, uh, I, I believe, in a way to show Israel how spiritually uncomfortable they were, how spiritually off they were by, by uh, being a witness to them through what they physically wore being uncomfortable. And, 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 so, and, and so, so God tells Isaiah 
take off your sackcloth, take off your sandals, and, and, and walk around exposed. Now, now, we're not clear on exactly how exposed, if, if, uh, if Isaiah was fully naked or if he had a loincloth on or uh, 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 something covering uh, his uh, uh, um, extremities. But, but, uh, but God says that he, the, the way that he was supposed to uh, walk around and navigate life during this period of time, he was exposed. And exposure in this type of way in their culture was extremely shaming. But God wasn't trying to shame Isaiah. Isaiah he was using Isaiah as a, 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 a messenger to communicate to Israel what life would be like, not only for them if they continued to hope in somebody that couldn't help them, but also to point towards the fact that the very people that they were hoping in were going to look the way that Isaiah looked. Like what one of the commentaries says, it says that, that his purpose is to graphically demonstrate to them, to Israel, that their ultimate fate, if they choose to join the Ashdod revolt, that they too will be stripped naked and taken away as slaves. I, I think the simple point here is that the things that you think will save you have nothing to offer. I think that's really what God is trying to communicate to the people through Isaiah and this, illust uh, this, this illustration that he's using, this, this visible witness that he's using, this example of how Isaiah is living. He's trying to get the people to know that you are going to all of these people and all of these things to try to save you, and they have nothing in themselves that can save you. See, see, God is trying to, to let you know that, that when he's trying to get your attention, that relationship relationship can't save you. When, when God is trying to get your attention, uh, uh, consuming yourself with work won't save you. When God is trying to get your attention, serving in another ministry at the church won't save you. Your, your bank account won't save you. Leaving the church and embracing your own brand of ethnocentric spirituality won't save you. When the God of heaven has you in his sights and wants to get your attention, there is nowhere you can run to and nobody that can save you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's trying to get our attention. He says, he says, says that, that Isaiah uh, or God told Isaiah to, to do this for it was purposeful. There was a, there was a reason. It was very specific. Uh, verse 4 says, says, says he, I want you to do that, Isaiah, as a sign and omen against Egypt and Cush. So in that same way, the king of, Israel, of Assyria will lead the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, both young and old alike, stripped and barefoot with bare buttocks, to Egypt's shame. Now, how about that? that? That God is using this example of Isaiah being stripped and uh, exposed, uh, a, 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 a statement of shame, to say that the very thing that you're putting your trust in, the very thing that you're hoping in to save you, is the very thing that itself will be made to look ashamed says that, you know, during this time, uh, captives, when you were, when you were, when your, your people were invaded and, and you were attacked and you were eventually captured, you know, captives were frequently stripped naked when led into captivity. And this treatment would have a demoralizing effect upon the prisoners themselves. And not only on the prisoners themselves, but also on the people who are watching these captives being led away. It has a demoralizing effect 
for the psychology of the prisoner because not only have you just been captured, but now you've been shamed. You, you have been disgraced publicly by being exposed in ways that are as sensitive as sensitive could be. And imagine being an onlooker watching a, 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 a people capture another people and do this to them. It gives you second thoughts about revolting. It gives you second thoughts about how you interact with that, that particular people in power. What God was trying to communicate through this to the people, to Israel, to his people, was simply that Egypt was not trustworthy. How can you trust Egypt to save you when they couldn't save your neighbors? Not only could they not do it, but they also didn't try very well to help. But these are the people that you're trusting in, the, the things that have already shown themselves to be a letdown, the things that you know have already let you down in your life personally, but yet you continue to run to them to, to save you. You run to them for refuge. You run to them for reprieve. You run to them for comfort. And God is saying, you can't trust those things, but you can, you can trust me. Just he, he wants he wants Israel to know that you can you can trust me. But you know what what the problem was? Here was the problem for Israel. And, 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 and if I'm honest, this is oftentimes a problem for me. And sometimes I know a problem for you. Is that Egypt, Egypt looked the part. They 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 looked like they could help. You ever go into the basketball court and, and, and you, you show up on the court and, uh, and there's, there's always that one guy and he's got the newest sneakers out and he's got the matching outfit, all the headbands and, and you know, the way he's talking, you know, you, you, you sitting back like, maybe this dude can hoop a little bit. Okay, let me see what he got. And then you get out on the, on the court and he's the sorriest joker, can't dribble, turnover machine, no jump shot. He's just a walking liability. That's, 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 that's what Egypt was at this point in time. But they look the part. Sometimes we are tempted and deceived and intrigued to reject the, the wisdom of God for something that looks like it's a better option. Something that looks like it won't cost us as much. Because you can better believe that, that Israel, like, like, like for Israel to put their, play, their hope and their faith in God at this time would have cost them more than for Israel to just merely ask Egypt for some help. It says they, they, they looked formidable and equipped for battle. The outward appearance deceived Israel into thinking that they didn't need God. But, 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 but look what it says. Look, look what it says. In verse 5, it says, it says that, you know, after these Egyptians, both young and old alike, are exiled and, and, and led away like captives, uh, stripped and barefoot and bared buttocks, he said, those who made Cush their hope and Egypt their boast will be dismayed and ashamed. See, there, there, is a, there is a shared shame that's happening here. 
There, there's the shame for one on one hand for the, the thing itself or the person itself that was unable to save, that was unable to, to, to actually follow through on its commitment, that was actually able to uphold its word to be able to save, it fell short. And so that thing or that person has a shame on it because it did not come through in the clutch when it was supposed to. But that's not the only shame that exists. The other shame exists before, for the, the other shame is reserved for the one who put their faith in that thing that felt that came up short. And so so that here here God is saying to the people through Isaiah, not only are is Egypt and Cush going to be ashamed as they're led away barefoot and naked in through captivity. But you're going to be ashamed because you're the one who thought that they could save you because you're the one that thought that they could help you. See, the embarrassment of having laid plans that fell through trusted promises that were not kept entertained hopes which were not reversed, like those, those things bring shame. Those things bring shame. And, and, and so he says, he says, he says, the inhabitants of this coastland, Israel and, and some of the other people groups that, that, that exist along that coastland, he says, man, when they, when, when they look at what is happening, when they look at Egypt and Cush, this, this supposed superpower, this supposed uh, anchor of help uh, that everybody thought they were going to trust in to keep them uh, from experiencing uh, the dominion of the Assyrian army. He said, he said, he said, they, they're going to look at what's happening. They're going to say, look at this. Look at what's happened. And those that we relied on those people that we fled to for help and for rescue from the king of Assyria. And then he says, then, then the chapter just ends. How will we escape? You know, the, the, the prideful, arrogant, hard-hearted person has no refuge for the trouble that confounds them. They have no plan when God is their only problem. But for the one who fears the Lord, he knows that the only recourse that he has is to hope in God and throw himself on the mercy of the one who has mercy to give. He says that like, when you fear the Lord and you get to the end of a chapter like this and you realize, you realize, man, you know what? Assyria is not my problem. God is my problem. Uh, like the bank account is not my problem. God is my problem. The people on the job are not my problem. God is my problem. What do you do when God is your problem? The only thing left to do is throw yourself on the mercy of the throne of God. And that, that's why we have to fill our souls. We have to fill our souls with the psalmist says when he says that God is our refuge and our strength a helper who is always found in times of trouble therefore I will not be afraid and, and then it goes on and it says it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are protected do not fear the Lord for I am with you do not be afraid for I am your God and I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand it says you are my hiding place 
Oh, Lord, for you protect me from trouble and you surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. It says the righteous cry out to God and the Lord hears them and rescues them from all their troubles for the Lord. The Holy One of Israel has said you will be delivered by returning and resting and your strength will lie in quiet confidence. Uh, it says it says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is near to all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity, for he fulfills the desires of those who fear him and he hears their cry for help and saves them. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust in him and not be afraid for the Lord. The Lord himself is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. When your soul is distressed and you're tempted to run to somebody or something that has no power to change, turn to the one who has ultimate control over every single aspect of your life. He says it's there. It's there. It's at the throne of grace that we receive mercy. You know, the reason that I tell my wife often to stop buying this non-name brand stuff is because I know that even though it says it can do what my name brand items can do, I know that it's not going to keep its promise. And, 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 and I'm just going to have to replace it sooner than I would have had to replace that name brand item. Because the quality is not the same. That's why it's less expensive. And, 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 so, and so I tell her, baby, baby, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate your desire for being a good steward and being frugal in the home. But sometimes it costs us more to replace it than it would have cost just to purchase that name brand item in the first place. All I'm trying to say this morning, people of God, is don't settle for knockoff substitutes. Put your hope, your trust, and your peace in a Savior who will never and has never let you down. Father, we thank you, O Lord. We thank you that you are our refuge and our strength that you are our strong tower in the time of need. That God, even when you are the source of our trouble, we can run to you and find mercy. We can run to you and find grace because you are a loving father who disciplines those whom he loves and you desire for us to turn to you, oh God. To turn to you and repent, to come near to God and submit ourselves to your authority and to your love and to your grace. Because it's in the presence of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ where we have peace. For it says, in your presence, O God, is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So God, would you help us to see that you are the our only hope of salvation. You are our sole refuge and our strength. God, we exalt your name today.
And we give glory and honor to the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we do pray. All of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. We love you. We thank you for joining with us. If you would like to make a decision for Jesus Christ this morning, we want to talk to you. Stay tuned so we can know how to contact you and you can know how to contact us. Grace and peace. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We